Matthew chapter 28. <coughs> um, we had a, a great time this last week in being exposed to the teachings of God's Word regarding prophecy, <clears throat> and um, those are always interesting times and times that um, are challenging in regard to wrestling with the truth of God's Word and the reality of, okay, what does that mean to me? And when you stop and think about it, you think, okay, in God's overall time frame, we read in Galatians chapter 4, he said, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ, initially to be born of the virgin and that was in the fullness at just the right time when God had already preordained and preplanned. And so you think, as we read the scriptures, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He turns their hearts however he desires. <clears throat> and, and in knowing God's raising up even today, raising up and putting down the leaders, world leaders, he's drawing them into various conflicts and away from various conflicts. And you can step back and say, wow, you know, <coughs> all this stuff's going on. And we can easily have the attitude that I'm just one little grain of sand on the seashore of mankind, and what difference does it make my life? I can't make a huge difference. And yet, from the very beginning, Jesus challenged those that were following him that I want you to think about your purpose in life. Remember, he'd say to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Drastically, drastically changing their purpose. Their purpose was to make a living. And he broadened their horizons drastically. And you know, a question that every one of us needs to ask is, why are we here? Why am I here? What is your purpose? And it, it doesn't matter if you're one of the young people that are here or you're one of those that are the senior saints and, and in the twilight years of life, so to speak. There, that is a valid question to ask. Why did God put me here? What is He expecting from me now? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, the, the key in any job that you're given is to know what's expected with the job. What, what am I supposed to be doing? Well, we're given life, and we need to ask ourselves, God, what am I supposed to be doing? So God really gave 
instruction to the disciples. And just before he ascended up into heaven, Jesus Christ, he said to them in verse 16 of Matthew 28, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So really, we call this the Great Commission, meaning God says, this is your mission. He gave to the disciples. This is what I want you to do. And, and those of you that have been Christians for a while, it's, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we got the Great Commission. We know that. And, and yet the reality is, this is still the standing orders that God has given us. Go into all the world and be my witnesses, he said in Acts chapter 1. Preach the gospel to every creature, he said in Mark 16. And in all the gospels, he gives the same standing orders. That we are to purpose, as we have been called to follow him, to go and share the message of Jesus Christ so that others can respond to it and follow Him. It really is from Jesus Christ and that small group of disciples that He initially started with, that has been going on all the way up until today. We, as believers today, are the ones that are on the playing field, if you please. I mean, think of this miracle. This Jesus Christ giving to these small group of believers this commission, this command. And he said, I want you now to go out and share the same thing. And I want you to be reproducing yourself. And ever since that, that small group Twelve men, from that, the gospel has spread throughout the whole world, through generation after generation, through dark, dark ages, literally the dark ages, where they tried to, to squelch and put out the light of the gospel, and yet it came down the line to the point that if you're here today as a believer, there was someone that had the gospel, that shared the gospel with you, and God's Spirit worked in your heart, and you responded to the gospel, and now it's to you. And when you realize God designed everything to reproduce, from the very beginning, He created all of these animals and plants 
And he intended them to reproduce after their kind. And they didn't transition into another kind, as evolution would have you believe. They were to reproduce after their kind. I mean, this isn't profound. Life would cease if there were no reproduction. And in the same sense, Jesus Christ said to his disciples and to us, as a follower of Christ, I should reproduce followers of Christ. As a church, we should reproduce churches of like mind. We expect it in everything else. Many of you have fruit trees and blueberry bushes. And, and you are not content to go out to your blueberry bushes and say, Wow, they're, they're nice and green. They look healthy. But there's no fruit on them. Oh, well. You don't plant blueberry bushes for shade. You plant blueberry bushes for fruit. God didn't put us as Christians here to be healthy-looking, vibrant, green, healthy-looking leaves on the blueberry plant and not produce fruit. The goal is not, we often say, um, our goal is to glorify God. It's to be Christ-like. And indeed it is. But why does, want, why does God want, if you please... Little images of Christ running all over the face of the earth. He wants it so that they, others, can come to know Christ and know the forgiveness that He came to give. <clears throat> so we ask ourselves, <clears throat> do I have something worth reproducing? I mean, even as a church, we ought to ask ourselves, is this church worth reproducing? So we send Seth Myers to South Africa. And really, what we want him to do is reproduce a church like this one. I don't mean like this building. I don't even mean functioning the services like this. I mean a church that preaches the Word of God, depends on the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, so that we would go visit their church, and if we understood the language, it'd be, we'd say, that's biblical. That's exactly what God wants. They may meet in different facilities. They may have different practices in certain things related to culture. But the bottom line is, we want to reproduce churches that preach the Word of God. And that truly have the life of God manifested within them. There are many churches that aren't reproducing anything, and in some point, it's kind of good because what they have is not worth reproducing. But it, it puts a, a, a burden on us. Okay, is my life such that God would want this reproduced? And is our church such that it wants God would want it reproduced. 
And that's what missions is all about. Missions is not an option. It is obedience. It is natural. <clears throat> We've already alluded to the fact that it's commanded. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a command. It's the gospel, which means good news. It is natural. When, when I say missions is commanded and it is natural, it is natural to want to share good news with others. One of the, one of the things that I've, I've heard from individuals that have, have lost their mate is they say, you know what, something good will happen, and I'll think, I have to tell my husband, or I have to tell my wife, and then they go. When we have good news, when a person has no one to share the good news with, it's like, ah, good news, and, and it's a natural thing. You want to share the, did you hear about this? You want to share good news? The gospel is not good news, it's the greatest news. And, and this is our mission. And, and we get into this pattern that we gather with other people that know the good news. But are we really sharing the good news? All of this about prophecy should should prompt us to say, wow, there is an urgency to the hour. There are a lot of people that need to know the good news. It's about life-giving. It's about life-saving. I think every one of us were appalled, without going into details, were appalled by the cowardice of the Florida deputy or deputies who did not go into the school to rescue students from an active shooter. We think, that was, that was your job. And whether they were told to stand down or not, it, it's immaterial, we think. Here you are hiding behind a car or whatever, and in that school building is someone taking a gun and mowing down students and faculty, and this was your job to go in. And, and in my spirit, I was frustrated about it, and I, and I, I just, again, this, this isn't right. And God's Spirit burdened me. That how many times in my Christian life, and as we as Christians, we have life-saving power, and we're hiding behind the church, not going in to rescue those that are dying. This is what missions is about. And before we think too wrongly about the deputy, maybe God's giving us an image of what he's thinking of us. He hasn't given us a stand-down order. There's no order that's come that said, um, let's take a moratorium on sharing the gospel. He commanded it. This is our mission. 
And, and it's not standing behind a, a church or a pulpit or a car and saying, wow, let, let's do a, a Bible study on my gun. Look at this gun. Isn't it wonderful? This gun is worthless unless it's used. The power of the Word of God can never change a heart and life unless we're instruments to carry that to others. That's why God's left us here. <clears throat> he hasn't left us here uh, just to try to put on these Christian graces, to put on the Christian graces so that we can make a difference with the lost. And, and the difference that that makes, and, and this isn't something, well, to be a super Christian. No, it's not an option. It's a matter of obedience. It's natural. And missions is not hiring someone to do the job for me. I'm going to hire John Leonard and the Hansons and the Changs and the Leonards. Um, I'm, I'm doing missions. I'm giving money to send them over there and do that. No, first of all, it begins with us doing it here. Reproducing. Well, am I doing it here? Am I caring for the lost? <clears throat> am I trying to develop relationships in which I can minister to others? And then, as we send a missionary to Brazil or partner with them, it's not, God bless you, see you later. We are co-laborers together with them. We are co-laborers together here. Some plant, some water, and it's God that gives the increase. So our mission here is plant, 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 water, 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 and trust God to give the increase. But if you came to some of the men in the church that farm, and you come April, well, do you have your crops planted yet? No, no, haven't got to it. May, do you have your crops planted? No, haven't got to it. You're thinking, it's getting a little late. Has the weather been bad? No, not so bad, but I, I've had a lot of work to do. I'm doing a little more research on the seed corn. June, do you have your crops planted yet? No. You'd think, this guy doesn't get it. Jesus Christ comes to us and says, have you planted any seed yet? No, I, I don't know all about it yet, so no. Have you planted any seed yet? You can't water seed if it's not been planted. And this is missions. It's not, well, I'm doing my job. I'm given to faith promise missions, and we're sending missionaries. That's good. But what happens right here? You can't hire someone else. Missions is an investment that, and I want to encourage you in this, is an investment that pays guaranteed dividends. <coughs> We're not going to have time to look at all the references. That's why we give them to you. But when I invest in missions either planting and watering seed or even giving to help in the missions endeavors, 
Number one, it pleases God. God loves to see that the gifts he gives us are passed on. He doesn't want to see us as a stagnant pond with no outlet. He doesn't give us to keep it for ourselves. We are blessed in order to be a blessing. That's, that's God's program. It always has been. And God is well pleased when he sees us doing good works and giving. Next, it guarantees provisions of grace. We pray, God, would you, would you give me grace to respond to this situation? Would you give me grace in life? 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a passage that talks about God's desire for us to be giving. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. <clears throat> but let me read to you 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. And I want you to notice the words like all and always and abound. Notice as I read, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Now, the context of that verse says, as you give to the Lord, God will make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Do you notice where it begins? It begins with sowing bountifully. It begins by having a giving spirit. Freely I have received, freely I give. So as I give, and really, the more I think about it, we are not asking you to do something we are giving you an opportunity. We are giving you an opportunity to give all grace. It's not like you're doing something for us or the church or God. God is doing something for you. He says, here, trust me and I'll show you. I'll, I'll make all grace abound toward you. They are any investments you make are safe deposits for eternity. Lay not up, Matthew 6, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth can't touch it and rust won't affect it and thieves cannot break in and steal it. You are laying up treasures that will produce eternal dividends. By investing in missions, by being part of the work of missions, not only financially, but physically in the work. Next, it blesses others. 
Philippians 4, we won't take the time to go there, but Philippians 4, Paul said, you cannot imagine how your gifts blessed me in the work and those that I in turn ministered to. We'll never know till eternity how your investment in sending, we'll just say, Bill and Ellie Hansen to France and helping them keep there so that they can be invested in the work there. We'll never know until we meet the 96-year-old landlord that they had been working with for all the years that they'd been there that didn't want anything to do with Christ until he was hospitalized. And at 96 years old, he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. That is blessing others. That is the fruit of... We're a little pebble, but it's a part of the bigger picture. You never know the fruit of of Jay Chang in Thailand and and going in and ministering to people and, and taking them a Bible, the first Bible that they've ever had, ever seen. <clears throat> and they read and hear of God's love and forgiveness to them and the joy when they trust Christ as their personal Savior and, and to see a church established in that little village a church that preaches the same message we do. What a blessing to those people. And it's because of the faithfulness of God's people. The ones that are there, the ones that are instrument in sending them. Next, it affirms God's Christ's lordship in our lives. Anything you have is not yours. It's God's, and we are just stewards of it. And what we're asking you to do with this little sheet is say, God, everything I have is yours. What part of your things do you want me to designate to missions this year? You're the Lord. You're the Master. I am a steward. I don't own it. It can be taken away from us in a moment. The ability to manage us, manage it can be taken away in a moment. But as we say, God, you know what, <coughs> what I am, what you've entrusted to me, what do you want me to do with this? And then to realize... God's Word will not return void. Any seed of the Word of God you plant, God promises, standing on the promises of Christ my King, it will perform the purpose that God has intended. And to send someone to Algeria through Endure International, a Muslim that is rescued from a Muslim background and brought to Christ and now he's establishing a church in his hometown. 
You'll never know what the Word that's been planted in those lives will produce. And so what missions really is about is this. Spread the Word, spread the Word, spread the Word. Live it. First of all, live it in our own personal lives. Share it in our own homes. The first place we ought to be making disciples is in our homes. Live it. Share it. Beginning in our homes. You've heard it over and over again. The light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. You don't become a missionary when you go to Timbuktu. We are to be a missionary here. Spread the word. Live it. Live it. Live it. Share it, share it, support it. Any, any opportunity we get to help support, encourage the, the promotion of the Word of God, we ought to be both feet in on that. That's why we're left here. It's not for God to do for us. It's for us to serve Him. And, and so <clears throat> it is. <clears throat> it is a situation Okay, God, why am I here? <clears throat> you saved me to make me a fisher of men, to be a part of your worldwide program. I mean, think of that. We get to be a part of a worldwide program. We're not part of, of Google. We're not part of IBM or Ford or Chevrolet. We are part of... God's overall worldwide program that nothing, it will be the only program that's standing when everything's done and gone. The greatest businesses in the world will all crumble, but God's work will remain. When everything is, and and we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. I mean, we all attach to things that, that we're familiar with. This last week in the NCAA basketball tournament, Buffalo University, University of Buffalo, a little, little university, knocked off Arizona. Well, Buffalo University's coach, know what? He's a graduate of Maranatha Baptist University. His hometown is Watertown, Wisconsin. He is a believer. Whoa, yeah, I went to Maranatha. I don't know him from a bale of hay. But you know what? There's a bond there. We like to attach ourselves to things. We're not attaching ourselves to a fellow grad. We're attaching ourselves to Jesus Christ. That he would want me to be a part of his program and represent him? Wow! Man, I am going to, I'm going to give my all. <clears throat> I am going to invest in this. I am all in. Why? Because good news needs to be shared. Spread the word. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I thank you for saving grace. And Lord, forgive me, forgive us for 
not going in to rescue those who are dying, for being more concerned about our reputation or what they'll think of us or the inconvenience that it might be. And Lord, I pray that you would bring a revival of love for you that is seen in responding as a love for other people to share the good news with them. So Lord, may we take serious this in every area. May we acknowledge that you are the owner of everything we have. And may we seek your mind as to what you would have us to do to lay up treasures in heaven, to bless others, to please and bring delight to you, and Lord, to make a difference for eternity. So I pray that you'd find in us willing hearts to be a part of your worldwide program. Lord, may our love for you be manifested in our obedience to this standing order that you've given us to go and make disciples for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.